1: Happy Sunday, everybody. It's Anthony Gazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are doing well. I hope you have enjoyed your weekend and uh, have had some other positive things happen for you this weekend, aside from the result that the Cincinnati Bengals gave us all this Sunday. Predictable result, uh, I guess, expected result, but. You know, maybe a little closer than a lot of people expected. The Bengals lose to the Ravens 23-17, and they are now winless in the Zach Taylor era, at least in the regular season, 0-6. Things do not appear to be heading in a positive direction other than potentially getting A.J. Green back, potentially getting Darquez Denard back, maybe Cordy Glenn, maybe Jonah Williams. We don't even know what's going on there. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I, don't know, I saw a comment right here. Uh, same old, same old from Derek Scott. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that about sums up this year. That definitely sums up this week. And that's uh, really kind of all there is to the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019 it's just a lot of the same stuff a lot of the same mistakes a lot of the same issues and it just keeps carrying over week to week and it doesn't really matter who the opponent is there's a lot to get to I'm going to be trying to uh, take some of your questions and comments as well as dissect the game what happened what we saw all of that uh, as it just ended here on Sunday afternoon again I'm Anthony Cazenza Thanks for joining us, whether it's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, uh, we're streaming live there, or on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel, so uh, both the, the you could join us either way there we'll, when we do these reactions, when we do the listener questions, and when we do the Orange and Black Insider weekly episode, we uh, simultaneously stream between both those mediums, so thanks. For joining us, however, you may be joining us and/or listening to the program, listening to Cincy Jungle's materials. You can keep it to Cincy Jungle for all the news, opinions, analysis, breaking news, all that good stuff. Um, which there's a, there's not there's on one hand there's not a lot to talk about when you're zero six, but there is a lot to talk about when you're zero six. So let's get to it. I mean, I guess we can if we want to start off with some of the positives. Uh, there are some. Uh, Brandon Wilson was a guy who really was kind of the third kickoff return man for the Bengals this year. Uh, But because of an injury to Alex Erickson, because of an injury to Darius Phillips, he was now pressed into kickoff return duties. He had a couple of good returns last week. And then this week starts off the game with a 92-yard return, makes a couple of moves, takes it all the way. Uh, all the way to the house. And really when when you're a struggling team, that's something you look for. You need that kind of spark to get a win, to get competitive in a game that maybe you're big underdogs in, which the Bengals were against Baltimore. Uh, so... I mean, that's those are the kind of plays you need to have as a struggling team. You need a big special teams play. You need a big turnover, a, a couple of calls that maybe go your way, whatever the case may be, to kind of get that positive momentum going. And it seemed as if the Bengals, at the very first play of the game, they had that going for them. Uh, unfortunately, they could not capitalize on anything the rest of the way, and even though this was a six-point game, and hopefully you put some money down on the Bengals to cover the spread this week, because I kind of had a feeling personally they would at least cover the spread. Uh, it was, it was I think, 12 points at kickoff, so um, hopefully you, you put some money down on it, at least them to cover, but regardless, um, you know, there was a little bit Deceiving. The score was a little bit deceiving. I mean, the Ravens they settled for field goals more often than not. Uh, they could have had some touchdowns. That, you know, they kind of stalled out in the middle parts of the game and uh, did not get enough. Did not get a- enough momentum going throughout the rest of the game in order to uh, keep their foot on the pedal and uh, you know put the Bengals away and, you know, get get the win kind of early. The Bengals clawed their way back in, made some plays, and uh, made it a game late. But really, a deceiving score. So, you know, Cincinnati really didn't do much throughout most of the game. And then, guess what? You know, they didn't score many points throughout the game, and then guess what? Last game, last drive of the game, they finally go, you know, kind of a little bit of a hurry-up mode, and they make some plays, get some points. Obviously, that's kind of similar to what happened last week against the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, the Bengals are just not doing things on offense. Let's talk just a little bit more on some of the positives aside from Brandon Wilson. Auden Tate, one of the guys who did pretty well. Five catches, 91 yards, forced a couple of pass interference penalties as well. Made a couple of very nice highlight real grabs. Uh, so, you know, five catches. Here, Here's the troubling part though. Five catches on, on 12 targets. That's indicative of Uh, Tate, you know, maybe not getting open as frequently as as he would like, as well as some some erratic play from Andy Dalton the rest of the way. Alex Erickson did some nice things, had a 17-yard run on a jet sweep, as well as four catches for 47 yards. Um, The name of the game, though, the Bengals cannot run the football. They are unable to run the football. Joe Mixon, 10 yards on eight carries. The Bengals have had to rely on Giovanni Bernard's pass-blocking prowess in order to for really to, to compensate for the offensive line issues, they need to use an extra back to chip guys to give Andy Dalton as much time as possible. That's really not even being all that effective. The tight ends aren't helping out greatly as blockers, so um, you know it's just a, a myriad of issues. And even through it all, those those guys were kind of some of the highlight guys, I guess, if you want to if you want to look at. Uh, you know, some of the positives Steve Logan in the live YouTube chat here says Bengals should, should run no huddle all game. I talked about this last week. I mean, last, last week they weren't doing anything and they randomly put together two quick touchdown drives on, you know, no huddle kind of a a faster pace offense. And yet the Bengals aren't doing that. You've got to, you've got to change up your game plan to make, you know, a defense guess a little bit more to be less predictable um, you know, maybe tire them out a little bit. Uh, th- this offense needs something. So the Bengals now, um, I believe, they're five of fifteen on their last uh, fifteen red zone attempts this year. Uh, in terms of touchdown percentage, that's not good. Um, you know, they got down earlier today. They got down to the they got down to the Baltimore twenty-one yard line. And then they got down to the Baltimore five-yard line. And both those drives in the, in the second quarter there, both of those drives netted only three points for the Cincinnati Bengals. Play calling was an issue. Again, you go back to a second-and-goal play from the, the Baltimore five-yard line. What do they do? They cycle out Tyler Eifert, your best red zone option. You dial up a run. You're not running the ball well at all. You dial up a run, it gets stuffed, and then guess what? You, you know you don't move the ball again, and you're forced to kick a field goal. Those two trips – I mean, 21-yard line, that's not technically red zone, but, I mean, that's the red zone. Those two trips into the red zone, you get three points. If the Bengals were to get a touchdown and a field goal out of that, all of a sudden that final drive at the end of the game has a lot more meaning and a lot, a lot heavier implications – than it did being down, you know, 13 points with a couple of minutes left. So it's these little things that begin to build up into big things, and they continue to snowball on this team. Uh, you know, the, the coaches look baffled at times. They, they The play calling is suspect, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, it, when the offense is playing well, then the defense doesn't respond well. When the offense doesn't do very well, the defense holds up, maybe limits the damage, limits the points uh, only to be thrown back onto the field, uh, you know, with a quick three and out or, you know, a no point drive by the Bengals offense. So there's no gelling that, you know, things aren't clicking right at the same time for this team to get some momentum and get some of these wins. Now you look at of these six losses for the Bengals this year, four of them have been one possession game. So, uh, you know they had the two blowouts, one against the Steelers and one, once another one against the 49ers. But four of them have been one possession games. So, uh, I, I like I said, it's a, there's a little bit of a fool's gold thing going on with this score today. But I mean that that is a statistic to note, uh, and hopefully that's something as we look to 2020, maybe even late 2019, that this team could potentially build upon in terms of positive vibes going forward they get guys healthier maybe they finally get a good draft class maybe they do something in free agency worth of note and um, you know not sit on their hands and then you can kind of say well look we, we filled in the gaps here and there in 2020 and you know that's that's all you can really hope for right now um edward king offense is very simple i i agree with that um, I, I think that this is a really pedestrian offense and it's not doing their quarterback any favors. Obviously I think the protection, the lack of a run game, all of that stuff contributes to it. Andy Dalton today, 21 of 39, 235 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He did have the running touchdown at the end of the game there. Same, you know, it, very pedestrian day. Really a lot of those yardage, uh, well, a good chunk of the yardage came on that final drive when they were doing that no huddle thing. Um, so, I mean, he made some nice throws. There were some really bad throws by Andy Dalton. Really kind of the story of the year again with the quarterback position. Um, you know, there. I mentioned earlier that drive when they were at the Ravens 21-yard line. Andy Dalton didn't see a linebacker who kind of flashed across his eyes to tip a pass that was intended for, uh, for Tyler Boyd. It pops up in the air, gets intercepted. But even if he were to get... If that linebacker wasn't there, the defensive back would have closed in on that ball and either knocked it away, you know, what what have you. It probably was not going to be a completion or a positive play for the Bengals. So I'm not really sure what Dalton's seeing there. Maybe he's just trying to force the ball to who he deems is his most reliable weapon at this point in time. But there are some very questionable decisions being made by him um you know he does have the ability even when they're down quite a bit to rally them back get some points get them back in the game but it's not translating to wins um there are enormous enormously long dry spells on offense and uh, a lot of it has to do with him a lot of it has to do with the lack of a running game a lot of it pretty much all of it has to do with the offensive line uh so you know they're they're there's not a lot of positive things happening on offense. And you know, that, that can all really point back to Zach Brown, uh, excuse me, Zach Taylor, Zach Brown, Zach Taylor. And then of course, Mike Brown and, and the front office for some of the decisions they made or did not make this last off season. Uh, Sean Moore writes, we all stuck with Dalton. Um, He's had no team to work with too many players out this year. Well, that that's the two sides of the argument, right? It's, you have your quarterback, you've committed to him, and the Bengals have told us, openly told us, that they think they can win now, they think they can win with Andy Dalton as their quarterback. If they remain healthy and the guys around him are healthy, they think that this staff, that quarterback, they, they at least they thought that going into this offseason, or they fed us that line this this offseason, that they think that you know this, this is the crew that can get them to, to be a championship level. Well, the injuries hit. Injuries hit all the time, uh, maybe not to the extent and to the star level players, that, to, to other teams, but they happen. Um, and you have to have contingency plans in place. The Bengals do not because they're not active in outside free agency. They do not move up to get immediate impact players in the draft. I sound, like, I feel like I sound like a broken record by saying this. So, yes, the team has eroded around Dalton. The game plan has really not been great. And, you know, this whole thing is kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Is the injuries and effectiveness of the offensive line, the producing the, or limiting the play calling abilities of Zach Taylor because he's got to do something to, he's got to design plays to get the ball out quickly, to try and get, uh, you know, rushing yards how he can and really, you know, it kind of limits what he feels they can be effective at doing or, you know, ownership and all of that did not invest in the offensive line. They invested in the wrong guys on the offensive line. So, I mean, we can go round and round on, on all this stuff, including with Dalton and you know, where he's at right now, right now, he's not playing very well. Um, you know, you can point at some statistics and it looks pretty good. There are other statistics, especially under the surface, If you listen to our podcast this week, we had Evan McPhillips from Pro Football Focus. He gave us some real eye-opening stats in terms of Andy Dalton, in terms of uncatchable throws and rating with a clean pocket, all that kind of stuff, which were pretty low. Um, So unfortunately, there are metrics that kind of say Andy Dalton's not, he is the problem. Uh, There are other issues in terms of the roster eroding around him that points to him not being the problem. Truth be told, it's probably both. It's probably both. And, uh, you know, it's just – it makes for real ugly football, to be quite honest with you. This is not really an enjoyable team to watch right now because there are such long, dry spells of inefficiency, such long, dry spells of just, you know, really, really elementary-style football. Uh, And, and, you know, it's pretty – it's pretty baffling to see the many steps backward this this team has taken, not only this year, not only from this year to tw- from twenty eighteen, but also really just from twenty fifteen when they went to the playoffs. Just how how the roster has devolved, how this team has moved backwards and not not gone forward, especially under the new staff. Um, Richard Fredette, Bengals and free agency equal Bengals plus free agency equals not happening. Look, I don't deny that. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying, yes, they're going to be active in outside free agency next year. Yes, they're going, going to move up in the draft next year and, and get impact players. I'm not that naive. I've watched this team for about 30 years. I've seen how they operate. I've seen them in the better times, in the really bad times, and what we're currently witnessing right now. I'm putting that out there that that's what needs to be done in order for them to make their coach, they need to set their coach up to be successful, they need to set their quarterback up to be successful, and they are not currently doing that by not being active in outside free agency, by not going up and getting immediate impact players, sacrificing a draft pick or two to move up to get some of these immediate impact players in a draft class. Right now, the Bengals, Jermaine Pratt, I guess, kind of started today, uh, but, but I mean, really, outside of maybe that or Michael Jordan, basically they've had one starter of their entire draft class starting at a starting position in a given week. That's not very good. Now that some could say, well, you don't want your, a, a lot of your rookies starting because that usually, you know, that usually means you've got some good veteran core and all that. Well, this team's coming off of three straight losing seasons. They are Oh and six. Now they need young, fresh talent to man spots and be effective. And even when those guys come in, they're not lighting the world on fire. They're not doing very much. So, um, you know, there are a lot of issues plaguing the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for joining us in this uh, post-mortem <laughs> uh, edition of the of Week 6 for the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost 23-17 to to the Ravens. They are 0 6 and are now 1-9 in all, uh, if you count preseason, for, uh, under Zach Taylor. So definitely not the start that anybody wanted or envisioned for the young coach. There are times when he looks a little rattled, as does the rest of his staff. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that for a few more minutes, as well as get your uh, questions, comments, try and talk about some more of those before I get out of here in a few minutes. You can get this show... If you're new to it, you can get this stuff on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. You can get it on CincyJungle.com. Our podcast is on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Megaphone, all that good stuff. So check it out how you can.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: Tristan Wood, what happened to the defense that played in Seattle? That's a great question. I think, unfortunately, there. I think if you're asked, you know, I, I, I think what happened is Seattle had a game plan to run basically right at Cincinnati's defense. There was maybe some limited film on what Lou Anaruma was going to put out there, uh, in ter- you know, in terms of scheme and, and what they're going to do. Uh, Seattle employs more of a power running game where it's kind of north-south, not so much Widen things out. I think also, uh, you know, Bengals were healthier at that point. They had a good pass rush type of uh, rotation going in that game. So they, they did a lot of effective things in week one. I think they got exposed on some other levels. One week later, San Francisco spread them out wide, particularly in the run game and in the passing game, and they were completely overmatched, especially in the middle and back end areas of their defense uh and i think teams have taken note now it's gotten a little better since that game Uh, then it took a big step backwards against pittsburgh but uh you know i think for the most part they've kept the Bengals for what they have to work with for what luana rumo has to work with they've kind of kept the Bengals in games um you know it's not like they're letting up 40 points a game but you know they're one of the worst teams against the run their pass rush is extremely inconsistent and quite frankly, there's been a lot of regression from some of their best players who are in the secondary. Sean Williams, Jesse Bates, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick. Those guys have taken massive steps back. Uh, really, it kind of started last year uh, for, for like guys like Jackson. But Bates and Williams had outstanding years last year, and then they have been non-existent this year. Uh, so I don't know if they're trying to overcompensate for the weaknesses in front of them at the linebacker position or what have you, but these are some of the things you're seeing as to why the Bengals have not been the same defense that they were against the Seahawks, and unfortunately, it's both good and bad that the Bengals put basically their best effort forward in week one. Uh, it's it's good because it got them going on the right foot. It gave them some confidence, I think, but it's also bad because... I mean, they haven't played as well since, and, you know, you kind of, you know, expect more after the, after the week one, you know, you expect them to improve, and they haven't really showed that. Uh, You know, Eric Von Herzenberg talks about the QB situation and uh, the Browns. Yeah, I believe the Browns, before I was taking the air here, they looked like they were uh, set to lose against the Seahawks, so they are looking to fall to two and four, Um, you know, now... Baltimore takes the lead at four and two. Uh, Pittsburgh was, I believe, one and three going into this week. So it's a shame that the Bengals, even though they've got, you know, there were a lot of question marks around this team. This was a division ripe for the taking this year. I don't think, based on what I saw today, I'm not overly impressed with the Baltimore Ravens. Granted, they didn't have Hollywood Brown, their biggest deep threat, but they're beatable. They're most definitely beatable. Uh, The Browns, I don't mean to be the I told you so guy, but, Uh, I kind of said, yeah, they could be a 10 or 11 win team, but this could really fold up quick. This could implode on them quickly. New coaching staff, potentially overhyped quarterback, a lot of egos, a lot of undeserved attention. And now here they are, they're two and four. Uh, So, you know, and then you've got Cincinnati who's 0 and 6. Um, You know, this was a division that should have been ripe for the taking for a team that, uh, you know, was hoping to head in the right direction and they have completely gone backwards. And, uh, you know, I don't – th- there's not a lot of answers going forward other than guys coming back from injury, and uh, hopefully that the, t- the, the coaches get some more experience under their belt as play callers, game managers, because some of those are are issues. Uh, Danny Joseph, poor Zach, looks stunned in press conferences. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – also. I mean, he's a younger guy. He's inexperienced as a head coach, but I think also – you're to ask him, I don't think he expected the amount of injuries. I don't think he he expected an 0-6 start. I think he's a little shell-shocked about everything right now, and he's getting a harsh reality check. Luckily, I think, at least luckily for him, I think he is in a franchise and in a position where he's going to have a longer leash than Steve Wilkes had in Arizona, than some of the coaches had in Cleveland. I think the Browns are going to be a little bit more patient, potentially get him a new quarterback, potentially continue to let him build, get another draft class or two to mold this roster in a different way and see what he does there. Um, You know, even though I have not been impressed, overly impressed with Zach Taylor since week one, I do think he needs to get a fair shake. I, I do think it's too early to kind of cut the cord as much as, you know, the knee jerk reactionist in me would like to do that. Uh, I, I think it's still a little early. They got to pump the brakes. They've got to evaluate players, see who they are going to keep. Unfortunately, that's where we are at the at the third mark uh, or or less, I guess, the, the six games into the season here. They need to evaluate who's going to stay, who's going to go, what needs some major overhauling. I think for those of us who watch the games can easily see what position groups need massive amounts of help. Again, we go back to what we talked about earlier, it's we identify as we you know armchair quarterbacks we identify that the team needs to do more in outside free agency they need to be more aggressive in the draft this has just not been in the dna of the brown family of ownership so they will need to do something uh differently if they're ever going to set up their their coach they can fire and hire as many coaches as they want but if they do not set up that coach to succeed by doing the things that other successful franchises do. We're going to be talking about this over and over. Why, why not this? Why are they and six? All of these things are going to keep coming to the forefront of discussion. If the Bengals don't make the necessary moves and get change their, their operational mindset, they need to do that. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be stuck in purgatory. Uh, Sample is horrible, Edward King says in the live YouTube chat. I mean, we talked about this this year's draft class. Uh, I wouldn't say he's horrible. Uh, I just don't know if they are using him effect. I mean, I saw him today. He had like one nice block. I think he had a catch. Big deal. Um, my, my thing is this, you know, I go back to Zach Taylor, the play caller, right? You're, you're decimated at wide receiver. Absolutely decimated at wide receiver. You're struggling in the red zone. Why would you not focus on using the tight ends a bunch? You paid a bunch of money to CJ Uzama. You paid another contract to Tyler Eifert. You drafted Drew Sample in the second round. Why, with no A.J. Green, no John Ross, a lot of inexperience out there at wide receiver, the running game's not working, why would you not have two tight end sets at least all the time? Why would you not try Drew Sample in an H-back role to potentially help the run game a little bit, if you liked his blocking so much, why are some of these things not being tried? Is it just you know Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and company have this system that they want to run and they're going to stick to it regardless, um, or are they in over their head? Is it both? I, I I think it's a little bit of both. If you're asking me, but uh, I you know I don't I I don't know what it is more of. But to I would I would put those tight ends out there all the time. Feed them the ball. They're athletic. They're gifted. They can catch the ball. Granted, we don't know so much on that front with Sample, but we know that about Eifert. We know that about Uzama. Use those guys in the red zone to convert touchdowns instead of kicking field goals or turning the ball over. Get those mismatches that you need in that short area to get the ball into the end zone. I don't know why the Bengals are underutilizing their tight ends, especially when you paid them a lot of money and, or used high draft capital to bolster that position. It just doesn't really make sense. Uh, It doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, We're going to get out of here in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for joining us here. I know it's uh, sometimes, sometimes it's great to talk about this stuff, kind of a therapy session after the game. Sometimes it's just super annoying to talk about all the mistakes and, question all the decisions. I understand that, but I appreciate you guys joining me, letting me vent a bit and uh, talking about the Bengals and their own sixth start as they fell to the Ravens in week 6, 17 to 23. Um looking at uh, yeah, George A Johnson, uh, this coach looks lost out there as a play caller. This team looks Chris Reisner says this team looks as bad as the David Klingler days. Is this There are times, uh, that I, I see a lot of mid nineties in this team. And, uh, I, I see that with the inability to run the football. I see that with some potential star players wasting some critical years of their career, whether it's via injury, ineffectiveness, letting the roster just get decimated around them. I'm particularly pointing at Joe Mixon, AJ Green and, and others, um, they're just not setting up, they're not setting themselves up to be successful as a team. Uh, and that's that's what's upsetting. You know, if if the Bengals went into this season and they, you know, they came off a, a doldrums of a of an end of an era with Marvin Lewis and they say, you know, we're hitting the reset button. We're bringing in Zach Taylor. We're bringing in a fresh new coaching staff. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to let him do whatever he wants in the draft, move up, back, whatever, get those impact guys. We're going to give him a few mid to high tier pieces on uh, in free agency. And we're going to let this ride. We're going to get, we're going to commit to Zach Taylor. We're going to commit to this coaching change. And if it doesn't work, then you know what? We did it his way. We have done it our way. If doing it his way and, and you know, making these other aggressive moves doesn't work out, then you can go back to doing it your way. What do you have to lose except for a little bit more money? Really? I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not going to lose really any more games than you already are. So that's what I don't understand. It's just a, a real uh, narrow-minded, a real obstinate way of thinking and, and operating your franchise. You know, I, I, I thought today about, you know, I'm looking at the Bengals defense, not really getting after Lamar Jackson. I mean, they, they had a few pressures. I think they had a sack, uh, you know, they're trying to contain the defense. I remember a time when they flirted with potentially bringing in Gerald McCoy this, this offseason. Um, didn't do that. Uh, you know, they, they supposedly flirted with the, the kid at, who's on Tampa Bay, Shaq Barrett, who's having a heck of a year on defense as an edge rusher, kind of a tweener linebacker, defensive end guy, a real fun player that could have been effective on this team. Nope. They sat, they sat around and said, we're going to, we're going to bring back Carl Lawson, who, by the way, I don't think has a sack this year. Uh, we're going to, we're going to ride with Sam Hubbard, we're going to ride with Carlos Dunlap who's now in his 10th or 11th year was out on Sunday. It's just, why not make the commitment? I mean, if you really are committed to be successful, they've said, yeah, we want to, you know, we heard the fans last year. We heard the fans. Well, no, you didn't. Um, you, you thought this coaching thing would be the cure-all. You didn't invest more in the scouting staff. You didn't invest more in the medical staff. You you, you brought in new trainers, but guys are still getting hurt and going on IR left and right. So I don't know why you wouldn't go through a, with a fine tooth comb, some of these areas and, and really try and scrutinize and make your team really try and make your team be one of the preeminent franchises in the NFL. I, I just, I don't understand that mindset as a business owner. Um, and instead we're stuck with Owen six. We're stuck with looking at a fourth straight losing season. Despite who the head coach is, and um, you know, it's pretty embarrassing. A lot of the a lot of the performances could be coined as embarrassing. And uh, you know, as Chris Risner said in the in the live Facebook chat, it looks it looks like the David Klingler days. I mean that that was embarrassing. They were a laughing stock. They were a punchline on late night TV. Some of you are too young to remember this. They were a punchline on late night TV. They were a punchline across the league. Marvin Lewis brought them back to a reputable team, but they still you know, had their issues and now they, they seem to be falling backwards into, you know, something that happened 20, (laughs) 20, 25 years ago. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they have the right guy. They just commit the resources that are needed to be committed in order for this team to turn things around. Thanks for tuning in guys. I'm going to get out of here. It's been about a half an hour. Appreciate it. And uh, get this show on our YouTube channel, as well as the other, basically wherever you get your, your podcasts, and on CincyJungle.com, keep it to CincyJungle.com for news, opinions, analysis, breaking news, all that good stuff. Stick with us through the, the rest of the year. Things are bound to get better, I promise you. But uh, it just may take a little longer than uh, a lot of us would would like or expect. We'll see you next time.